3.15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. No murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And I, I, I mentioned the story from Dad Hagen that, um, about this lady that said, I hate my mother-in-law. You remember that for this series, right? And so um, that came back up this morning, so I thought that's where we'll start. Well, he quoted that passage of Scripture, and he said, uh, uh, you know, if you hate your mother-in-law, you don't have eternal life abiding in you. Eternal life there is the same Greek word I just said, zoe. It's aeonius zoe. It's the life and the nature of God. So if you hate your brother, because uh, hate is equivalent to murder. Jesus taught us that. If you hate, then you don't have eternal life abiding in you. And so this lady's like, she was a, they were a young couple, ministry couple, and uh, were acquainted with the Hagans, and... Um, you know, afterwards, they went out to grab a bite to eat, and she's like, you have really messed me up. You've, like, destroyed me. And he said, he said, why? He said, because I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> and she's like, I thought I was born again. You know, I went to Bible school. I'm a minister. I thought I, I, thought I was, you know, serving the Lord, but I guess I wasn't. Well, he said, well, if you hate, if you really do hate her, then, yeah, you don't have eternal life in you. <laughs> You're not born again. In other words, he said he used to like to get you in deeper before he got you out. Well, he wanted her to be so convinced, like, well, I really do hate. I've got a big problem. Well, he said, say that again. Look at me in the eye and said, I, say, I hate my mother-in-law, but this time look down in your spirit at the real you when you say it. And she said, I love how he told the story. He, she said very boldly, I hate my mother-in-law. She had no trouble saying it again. Well, he, he, he said, what's happening when you're saying that? She said her, her terms were, she said, something's down here scratching me. He said, yeah, that's the love of God trying to get out, trying to dominate you, trying to say, no, you actually don't hate her. You know, you're just annoyed by her in your flesh. And so he kind of taught her a lesson about that. And um, so she ended up having her mother-in-law uh, over for dinner and uh, invited uh, Brother Hagan to come, and they came, and when they did, she leaned over to him and she said, you know what? She said, I really don't hate my mother-in-law. I thought I did. Uh, he said, but you know what? My mother-in-law and father-in-law are actually wonderful people. They're very sweet. They're Christians. And I don't love them. I mean, I don't hate them. <laughs> All right. All you people that went to Karis and... We're up so late and flew back. One of us is asleep this morning, and maybe it's not you. <laughs> but she said, I really don't hate her. I love her. Because he instructed her. He said, well, she's like, what am I going to do? He said, oh, it's real simple. You just act like you would if you did love your mother-in-law because you actually do. In other words, he said, don't go by your feelings. Go by what you believe. Well, how would your life change how would my life change if we stopped letting our feelings be the greatest influence in our lives? Maybe it's not the greatest influence. I'm not trying to give you a negative confession. But if we lowered the level of the influence of your feelings, and we said, okay, feelings are feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings, right? You just let the feelings be the feelings. I get... You know, as a pastor, sometimes people will be like, should I go to the doctor? Should I not go to the doctor? Well, if you feel like you should go to the doctor, you ought to go to the doctor. But you know, like you can go to the doctor and be in faith 
Well, you can actually go to the doctor and be in faith for divine healing without the touch of a doctor or the taste of medicine. It's two completely separate things. But if you need to go to the doctor, you should go to the doctor. What does that mean? Well, that means you're going to know, you're going to have a substance which is called faith in your spirit. Like you know that you know that you know. You know I wonder if. If you're asking that question, you probably should go to the doctor. But you can go to the doctor and be trust in the Lord and you listen to the doctor's report. You say, yes, doctor, thank you. And they say, how do you feel? Uh, you don't have to say, well, my confession is. You say, well, this is what I feel in my body. Because if you don't help them, they, are, they call it practicing medicine. Right? So they're going based on every other bodies that they've ever learned about. And your feelings, what do you feel? One to ten, what does this feel like? How much pain is this? What's going on? And so uh, uh, physicians have saved many believers' lives and many non-believers' lives. So we're thankful for doctors. But it's like King Asa. The reason he got in trouble with the Lord was not because he sought to the physicians. It was because he sought to the physicians first. In other words, as a believer, Jesus is your healer. And so you ought, to, you ought to ask Jesus, should I go to the doctor? He might tell you, yeah, and you'll be shocked. <laughs> he might just say, well, why don't you just receive right there? So we're living a life of faith, which is a life that is totally reliant on God and trusting in God. And Jesus is your healer, whether you realize it or not. But many of us um, don't have the capacity to receive because we're resisting, because we're too full of other information, and we haven't allowed our minds to be completely changed. So what happens is many people will look at the life of faith, and they will say like, uh, well, I want, I'm going to believe God for a million dollars right now, because I sure need a million. I mean, I don't know anybody in here. I don't know many of you real personally, but I bet there's nobody in here that would turn down a million dollars if it was legit, you know. Uh, so most people, they learn about faith for finances, and then like, or a lot of people, they'll be like, well, I'm going to believe God for a million dollars. Well, you, your faith grows. Your faith grows exceedingly. George Muller, who had the orphanages in England, you know, he said that uh, when he was 93 years old, that it took the same amount of faith for him to believe God for a million dollars as it did, I think, 35 years before for him to believe for one dollar. He didn't go from believing for a dollar to believing for a million dollars in one week. Wigglesworth said, great faith comes out of great trials, great tests. Great testimony comes out of great tests. In other words, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Fast forward on to the end of the verse. That's in James chapter 1. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So when you're trusting God and believe in God, you just follow what he's saying. You have no other place for faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God and that word being made real to you by his spirit, and he will do that. And when you trust him, he'll give you exactly what you need. You know, the lady, there's a lady, one of my favorite testimonies concerning faith. And this woman had major uh, stomach esophagus problem. She had to go for a surgery. So um, 
Dad Hagen was with her, pastoring her, and he was with her for about two months, almost every single day, endeavoring to teach her the word, get her to act in faith so that uh, she could be divinely healed. Well, after two months, she was no better, but grew worse. And so he said, well, he said, I've failed. I have not been able to get you to a place where you can believe the Lord to not go to the doctors. So he said, what can you believe? And she said, well, I can believe that I could go have surgery and would have like a speedy recovery. He said, okay, I'll pray this. And if you agree with the prayer, then say amen. If you don't, don't say amen. You got to agree in your heart. So he said, Lord, we pray for sister so-and-so that as she goes to the doctors that the, the surgery will be very successful and they'll even say it's a miraculous recovery. Amen. And she, he said, can you agree? She said, oh, yeah. Amen. I agree. Well, she went and had the surgery, and uh, I think it was MD Anderson, Texas, where they had it. When they had the surgery, they, they did more surgeries of that kind uh, at that hospital than almost any hospital in the U.S. And the doctor said uh, that that surgery, when they got in, they decided to do exploratory surgery. So instead of cutting from here to here, they cut from, like, from here to down here, much further. And so... He was in the, uh, Dad Hagen was in the hospital room and the doctors came in and, uh, to say, like, would, you know, are you in any pain? Do you need medicine? She said, no, nope, no pain. And the doctor said, you have to be in pain. It's not possible. We do these surgeries all the time. You've got to be in pain. I'm going to give you some meds. Well, that's the only meds she had and she didn't even want them. She had no pain the entire time. And then she left so early, the doctor said, uh, called him Reverend, Reverend, that's a bona fide miracle. I would not have believed that if another doctor would have told me that. So she was, uh, the doctors operated on her, but the Lord had a divine intervention in her body with the doctors, so much so that Brother Hagin said, by two years later, if the same thing had come on her, she would have been divinely healed and not gone to the doctors at all because she was the greatest woman of faith in the entire church. Yet two years before, her... her her faith was really in, in man more than in God. So you can grow in faith. Your faith groweth exceedingly. In other words, uh, I trust the Lord in this area, but I don't trust the Lord in this area as much. Why? Because you haven't let that word, be grabbed hold of that word in your heart in that area. The second you grab a hold of what God said, it doesn't have to be 20 years. It doesn't have to be 20 days. It's the second that you get light from the Lord concerning that. You have faith, and faith has evidence, and faith has substance, and you can act. But the problem is, like that woman, many times you got pain in your body, and that pain has been with you maybe for years. And it's like your friend that you don't really enjoy. And you become so conscious of that friend that you don't really enjoy that, that, that you're not able to really just release that fully and divinely trust the Lord to not even go to the doctor. But yet you want to do this and your heart's to do that and you have a heart of faith, but you're so conscious like you don't even realize that when you look at the situation, you don't see yourself divinely healed. You remember Proverbs uh, 20, uh, 4 verse 20 and 21, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. 
My son, attend, uh, keep them before your eyes. In other words, what are you looking at? So, you can think of healing. What do you see? Do you see yourself going to the doctor? Do you see the doctor operating? Do you see yourself recovering in that way? Or do you see, what do you see? Not what do you want to see. What do you hope to see? No, what do you see? Well, if you see yourself going to the doctor, you don't want to go to the doctor. There's only one real solution. That's called prayer. You say, Lord, here's the problem. You said I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. But what I really see is myself going to the doctor. Uh, I can see that happening. I can, I can see that going on. So you have to go to his word with his spirit. You know, you go in prayer. You take scriptures, and the Lord will lead you and guide you. In other words, what am I trying to say? Many times, we want to be someplace in our believing where we're actually not. And when it comes to health and healing, uh, that's where Aunt Susie, who was a woman of faith, believed God for healing and died. Well, she didn't actually believe God for healing and die. She thought she was believing God for healing and died. Right? She really was hoping. She wasn't believing. So uh, the life of faith is a life that is totally dependent upon God. That he, you have a relationship with him every day. It's a daily relationship. It's a daily walk. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by our trust in God, not by what we see, feel, hear, touch. In other words, you have that confidence that if God said it, that's the way it is. So if God said you are healed and you have that confidence, you are healed like A.B. Simpson. It's just a matter of time till your body has to change and you're not even worried that it's not going to change because you know that you know. You have a confidence that's not of this world. It is a supernatural substance called faith that comes from God himself and you have faith in God. So the answer to your situation, I don't really care what it is, is have faith in God and trust God. Believe God. Stop, stop trying to, uh, in your own strength or your own power, make it come to pass. Like if I, if I pray a little harder, if I read a little more of the word, if I do this, if I do that, sure, you follow the Lord. He, he probably will actually, yeah, I know he will because that's what the word says. He'll lead you into the word. The spirit and the word agree. You guys know my... Praise the Lord. You know, my, my, my favorite every story is we're down at Hilton Head Island on vacation, riding these bikes, and they got these bike paths, but the paths cross over roads all the time, and some of those drivers are crazy. And so we're riding bikes. This is like four years ago, I think, and um, Evie kept wanting to go ahead, be in front, be in front. Well, Melody and I had decided I would be in front. She'd be in the back to kind of protect the kids and make sure they don't go in front of cars and stuff. But Evie kept, well, she would pass me and go in front. So Evie, get in the back. Or not the back. Get, get, get out of the front. Oh, I'm sorry. And then she'd do it again, and Evie loves to please, right? So she's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. So she did it again. Oh, I'm so sorry. She did it again. So sorry. I said, stop. And so we all pulled over. I said, let's have a talk. And I said, Evie, you have to change your heart. You're just like doing what we say. We said this. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And you keep failing every single time. Every single time. 
And so Evie's like, she's under all this pressure. Oh, what? She doesn't want to mess up. Her heart doesn't want to make a mistake. She doesn't want to disobey. She's not trying to be rebellious, but her flesh wants to be in front. She's like, I want to ride. I want to ride. So before she knows it, because she's focused on, I want to ride, I want to ride, I want to ride. She's in front. So I said, you have to deal with your heart. You want to honor mom and dad? Yeah. And I said, change your heart, that you want to be well-pleasing and you want to do the right thing. You know, she changed her heart, and it was like automatic. She didn't go in front. She didn't go in front. We rode for like another 20 minutes, and she didn't go in front. And then she went in front. <laughs> but then I reminded her. She's like, oh, yeah. And she went right back. Easiest thing in the world. The, the, the Christian life is not meant to be hard. It's not meant to be work. Like, you're going to work hard because you're serving in the kingdom. But it's not meant to be like a struggle. If you are struggling, you are not trusting God. You are looking to the arm of flesh. You are looking to your own ability. You're looking, you're looking to yourself for strength. Or maybe you're looking for, to your husband or your wife or your friend or some other person besides Jesus for strength. Because the Lord is the strength of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things because I rely on Him. So Jesus said, you, you want to see like supernatural things like this tree being dried up from the roots at words spoken he said, lay hold of the faith of God, the faithfulness of God, the constancy of God. That in every situation, at all times, God is faithful. If you want to see like, you say a faithful husband, a faithful man. That means his eyes are not on other women. His eyes are not on internet other women. His eyes are only for his wife. He is faithful. Or you want to see a faithful person on the job that means they're there they they doesn't mean they don't take vacation and everything like that but they're going to tell you if they're going to take vacation right so they are faithful they are constant they are dependable jesus said lay hold on the dependability or dependableness what word is that of god the faithfulness of god that that you think okay all right but but i make mistakes but i do this eh, have faith in god don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to be dependable in your own strength. If you are, you'll just get full of pride. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So now you've actually stopped the blessing of God in your life because you're so good at it. You actually don't need the Lord. Psalm, what is it, 104 or something like that? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Uh, I took that as mine because my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin, had that as his foundation ministry scripture. You know that the house still gets built? But you could build this house, you could build a ministry, you could build a business, you could build a family... And it could look really good to other people and all of it be in vain except the Lord build the house. In other words, we're relying on the Lord. He'll, he'll give you exactly what you need in your situation. 
that you're not trying to force something that you feel like a square peg in a round hole or a round peg in a square, how's it go? <laughs> square peg has to be a square peg in a round hole because if you put a round peg in a square hole, it'll fall right through. <laughs> but you feel like it's just not fitting. It's just not, something's just not right. Like, like, you know, you got six-cylinder car and only five are running. That's a horrible feeling. And the faster you go, the more the car shakes. Like you could just be driving down the road, maybe 66, and everything's fine, and then one of your cylinders shuts off. At like 65 mile an hour. I have some experience in this. <laughs> and the whole car. Whoa, 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 so what happens? Well, I got to slow down. And then I have less shutter. And then all of a sudden, that cylinder kicks back on and it goes smooth, maybe for like a mile. But anytime there's extra load put on it, in other words, I'm going up a hill so it has to pull harder or I try to speed up, it does the same thing. Okay, ask Dave about it. Horrible. And I'm trying to follow her somewhere. We're trying to go somewhere with the car. And she had, we had two cars. And so my car is just like having some issues. Because why? I am just one cylinder short. Because I have some problem and it shut down the cylinder because it thought there's a problem. There's not really a problem, but it's those fancy sensors, right? So just one cylinder off. And I can't go normal speed. And if any like extra load starts to come, it, it, it like freaks out. It can't handle it. It's not operating the way it's supposed to operate. And then all of a sudden, it, it'll be like, oh, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. I checked that sensor. It's okay. And so all of a sudden, whoo, for a second. Well, that's how many times our Christian life can be when we are trying to be the sensor. And we're like, oh, I think it's this, I think it's this, I think it's this, I think it's this. All of a sudden, what should be like smooth sailing. You know, when I bought the pickup truck to tow the church trailer when we first got it a few years ago, Evie and I flew out to California to pick it up and because, uh, you know, found it on Facebook or Craigslist or something like that. Anyhow, so we're coming back, and it's a three-quarter ton diesel Duramax pickup. And, and that thing has some power. And, uh, you know, we knew we were going to be having a lot of heavy stuff, or stuff, enough stuff that we needed to, to be able to tow the weight. So I start coming through the mountains. So we went up real quick for a couple hours just to see the sequoia trees, those huge, wonderful trees. And um, I'm going up the mountain, and I'm used to driving a, little, uh, a van or a car. So I go, and I thought, this thing isn't even hesitating. This isn't even downshifting. It just, vroom. more load comes, and it's like, give me this mountain. And it just keeps going and going and going. It just climbs the more load comes. Well, the believing life is not a life that's free from load coming your way, but it's a life that's like that pickup truck where all of a sudden it's like, all right, I've been built for this. I am more than overcoming this mountain. I'm either going to tunnel right through it or I'm going to drive right over it. But you got like one cylinder off. It is horrible. 
I mean, my head hurt afterwards, just from the shaking. It happened to be actually, I don't even know where we were going, but it was pouring down rain in the middle of this. It was just, it was just a, a difficult experience. But you see, when you believe God, everything takes its proper place. Because you're not believing you. You're believing Him. With God, all things are possible. And if you're trusting the one with whom all things are possible, then nothing is impossible for you. Right? That's a scripture. I'm saying all scriptures. <laughs> nothing shall be impossible with God. Nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth, which is the same Greek word for faith. He that believeth. He that trusts. What is trust? Well, think about this. You, you, you read like faith in that 10-volume dictionary I have that I enjoy so much. Never thought when I was in school that I would love a dictionary, but I do. So it says, faith is turning away from self-confidence, from the world, and from anxiety, and turning to the Lord. You know, in other words, I'm not going to trust me, and I'm not going to trust you, but I'm going to trust him through the word. That is faith. And faith, in that same dictionary, it actually says, faith is not yesterday, and faith is not I will tomorrow. And faith, per se, isn't even I am now, but it is that. It includes that. Faith is a constant trust and believing every moment. That means some moments you're trusting the Lord and some moments you're not. Now, nobody raise your hand, but maybe you could look at some of uh, the results in your life and different experiences and realize, like, wow, I was really not looking to the Lord in my communication with my husband or my wife at that moment. <laughs> or my children, or on my job, or when I got unexpected news. You know... James says, like, the, the, your life is going to be directed, the course of your life, it's going to find its path based on your tongue. Just like, you know, a, a rudder directs that ship. It's not a big thing compared to the ship. It's not a heavy thing compared to the ship, that rudder. But that little rudder, wherever the driver wants it to go, the pilot wants it to go, they'll turn that rudder, and that entire ship will turn. My kids take some horse lessons, and so they have, like, horses uh, that they use and then bits in their mouth. And that, those little children, Daniel, even if you see Daniel, like, he's so skinny. So he controls, like, a 2,000-pound horse or 1,500. I don't know. It's, like, 14, 15 hand or something like that. So it's probably about there. And he's probably, what, 45, 50 pounds? Well, James said, our tongue is like that bit and like that rudder. We're going to control the whole course of our life with that tongue. So Brother Hagen, when he was young, his dad left when they were six years old. So he grew up basically an orphan. And in fact, he wanted to kill his dad. 
he and his brother decided we are going to kill dad. When we get old enough, we're going to kill him. He said, I flat out would have done it if I didn't get born again and get the love of God on the inside of me. So, but thank God he did get born again. Well, because of that, his mother had a nervous breakdown and trying to support the family and live beyond her means. And, uh, but his mother always had, and then she uh, started standing on the word and got set free from that. And uh, his mother always had a special place uh, in his life. And um, so when it came time that she was going to go on to be with the Lord, uh, the Lord always told him if it was his own family or somebody close to his family, uh, in close uh, family relationship, two years ahead of time that they're going to pass away. So he knew his mother was going to pass away two years ahead of time. So he began preparing. And uh, he's in the hospital room or her room when she passed away. Do you know what the first thing he did was? First thing he did in kind of a, uh, a quiet whisper right at her bedside as she, once she went to be with the Lord, he said, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? In other words, actually 10 years before that, he prayed her out of death. She was going to die 10 years before, and he pled his mother's case. And the Lord said, okay, I'll give her 10 more years. He didn't want her to go. The Lord even told her, he said, him, when he was, uh, uh, when Brother Hagin was pleading his mom's case, the Lord said, it won't be as good, it won't, this is the best time for her to go. Uh, it's not going to be good if she stays. And he said, I know it, but I never had a daddy. And I love my mama so much, and I don't want her to go. And the Lord said, well, okay, I'll do whatever you say. He said, give her 10 more years. She died like almost to the day, 10 years later. But, you know, he set the course so that the first thing when that happened was the word. So now he has solid ground that goes into eternity that he is standing on so that he's not moved by what he sees. He's not moved by what he feels. He's moved only by what he believes. Let's finish with Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it's written, I have made you the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according as it is written, excuse me, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he has these physical circumstances that he can see and not only see, he can feel and he is experiencing and he considered not. Well, one translation said, uh, it's probably my favorite, said, having considered, he considered not. In other words, he thought about it and he's like, okay, but I'm not going to let that dictate the situation. I've considered it. I understand you know, naturally speaking, this is what's there. But having considered, he considered not. Verse, uh, verse uh, 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. How do you stagger? Through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 
Another translation said, he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Do you know, like when you're like, Lord, I, I, just, I just want to thank you. You're good. You take such good care of us. Every time we call into you, you answer, you lead me, you guide me, you show me the way. The more you actually talk that way from your heart, you'll, un, you'll, you'll realize, well, Psalms calls it magnifying the Lord. The Lord doesn't get any bigger, but he sure seems bigger to you. You start to hear him in almost everything and see him in the world. Like the Bible says that all of creation declares the glory of the Lord. You start to see his mighty hand in all these things. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, listen to this. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. So it was not written just for Abraham's sake that when he believed God, it was righteousness was imputed to him. It was counted as his, and he uh, owned it. But it was for us also to whom it would be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Ha, 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 ha. You see the father of faith, Abraham? The father of faith? That was not just saying, look at Abraham. Isn't Abraham amazing? It was actually written there. When I studied that, it said it was like, carved in stone or carved in an animal skin, it was like seared. It was written. Like it, it has been established, it has been declared, it is that way. Jesus, when he was uh, led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, do you remember what he said? Right when the devil would tempt him, what's the first thing he would say? He set his course. He said, it is written. And then he spoke the word. In other words, not, well, I don't think you should do that because I'm the son of God. Well, I don't think you should do that because I've just been doing good things here. I gave up all this power and glory in heaven and I came down and lowered myself. So I just don't deserve this. No, he said, it is written. And then he spoke what God said. What happened? Those words delivered him. Those words defeated the enemy. Those words stopped the access of Satan in his life. Didn't stop Satan from coming back. and said he, what did he say? He left to come back at a more opportune time. So, on this side of heaven, don't think like you're just going to like say, cast the devil in the, in the, in the, what, lock the devil up and he'll never bother me again. No. It is written. You live by the word. When you speak the word and you believe that word, the devil loses his power in your life. He cannot do anything. He can, he's already been defeated by the word. The word is what defeated him. The word is what took the keys from him. The word actually condemned him.
we will close with Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 through 6 in a Christian Standard Bible for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery take note Paul I'm telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised uh, take note I Paul I'm telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he's obligated uh, to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace, for you eagerly wait through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith that works through love. What matters is faith that works through love. So all that that I read out there, you know, saying like you're trying to, because they were saying like you had to be circumcised. If you're going to be a good believer, you had to be circumcised. No, you don't have to be circumcised, he said. What matters is faith that works through love. Don't try to do some ritual. Don't try to do some routine and say like this is what brings me to God. No, it's faith in God and faith alone. That brings you to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Faith works by love. The way that your faith will work is by love. The way that you'll be able to walk in love is by faith. <laughs> Should I say that again? The way that your faith will work is by love. The way that you'll be able to walk in love is by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So this... This mother, uh, this lady who hated her mother-in-law, she thought the way that was given substance was through her faith. What was her faith? Well, I've got the love of God shed abroad in my heart. You should act like you love her because you do, because you have the love on the inside of you. I don't feel like I have the love of God on the inside of me. What do I do? Act like I do. So I act like I do, and now I, actually I really do. Huh, that's funny. I really do. <laughs> do you know this woman? She had three kids, and her youngest was a little girl about six or seven years old who had one of the worst cases of epilepsy that any doctor had ever seen. She'd just go into seizures. After this happened, she, the daughter started to go into preliminary seizure, and Brother Hagin happened to be close, and the Lord uh, led him to go, to go over to the house because the mother called and said, can you come over? She's going into a seizure. He went over, and on the way over, the Lord spoke to him. Say to the mother, he said, don't lay hands on the child, don't anoint the child, don't pray for the child. Say for the mother, say to the mother, mother, say this. Say, Satan, I'm walking in love, take your hands off my child. She did, he did, and she did, and then all of a sudden, seizure instantly ceased. And somebody said, well, yeah, but she was walking in love. She was not like the week before. She hated her mother-in-law. She really didn't, but she, you know, she yielded to that hate. Faith works by love. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't have faith in God, in other words, what I'm saying is you've never been born again. You've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. God loves you so much, and I don't know any other way to say it, but you cannot get to him by doing good things. 
That does not bring you any closer to God. Um, those things, you'll actually, if that's what you're thinking, it'll actually push you further away because you're trying to come to God through what you do through your actions. This is not about you. This is about Jesus, and it is about his love that he has set on you. He loves you. He loved you while you were making mistakes, while you were far from God. He was looking after you and made provision for you. He made a way. And so if you want to come to Jesus, come to God through Jesus, then I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Your life will be changed in an instant, and you will be born again. So slip up your hand real high so I can see it. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Number two, if you're here this morning and you have walked away from the Lord, you were living for the Lord, but other things came in, drown out the Lord, and you feel in your heart that you want to come back and you want to declare, once again, Jesus is my Lord. Slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. And number three, if you are here this morning and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with the Spirit. There, there is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you just get so full of the Spirit of God that you just begin to overflow. And the first way you overflow is you begin to speak in other tongues, just like they did. The book of Acts is not just for them. That's the same church we're part of, same glory, same workings of the Spirit. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit this morning, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, let's all just raise our hands to the Lord. Every head bowed, hands, hands to the Lord. Father, I pray right now for each and every one of us under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of our spirit being flooded with light. Father, that we don't live another day below our rights and privileges, below the blessings that you have purchased for us. Father, that you help every one of us to rely wholeheartedly on you in every area of our life. Father, we're not going to live for ourselves anymore. We're going to live for you every single day. We thank you that you have set us free from ourselves. And, Father, that you have put us on the path of the victory of Jesus. Father, we thank you that there is victory in him and that there is freedom in him and there's life in him. And we thank you for bringing us into your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you for this series on love. Father, we pray that as we read these words, that you'll help us to see them more clearly from our spirits than what we've ever seen. Father, that uh, your love in us would abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that we approve things that are excellent, that we be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.